Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. There's a book out. It's called You Are Your Best Thing. You Are Your Best Thing. And I know that that's true. Vulnerability, shame, resilience, and the black experience. Let me welcome the author herself. She is the founder of the Me Too movement that was hijacked, but it doesn't stop the greatness that she is. And one of the essays uh, was written by this gentleman. So let me welcome first Tarana Burke. Welcome the great Tarana Burke to the Karen Hunter Show. Welcome back, sis. Good Thank to see you. you. And he wrote an essay called, uh, let me see if I can get this right, because I was just reading it, Never Too Much. Let me welcome, <laughs> he is, uh, oh, now the host of BET News and the Black News Tonight um, as well, author. Uh, he contributed to this, Mr. Mark Lamont Hill. Good to see you too, sir. Welcome. Good to see you. Long time no see. I uh, know. It has been years. It's been years. Many years, yes. Yes. Um, let me start with you, Ms. Burke. Uh, what was the genesis of this? And I like this because we're in this space right now where I'm challenging people to, to create the world that they want to live in. So what, what started this for you? What started for me was last summer, um, watching all of the uprisings following George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor's murder. Um, and then watching across social media and in mainstream media, how, um, there was a 180 right away to ask black people how white people can be better. How can they be more anti-racist? What can they do to make the lot, you know, make our lives better, help us, educate us, right? I got thousands more followers on my social media. A bunch of black people did. Um, and a, a bunch of like really well-meaning white people kept asking us to do more labor. But what I didn't see was a anybody talking about what black people needed in that moment mm. and what it feels like to watch yet another black man who could be my brother, husband, cousin, friend, whatever, be murdered and, and know that that murder might be with, with impunity to see Brianna, to, you know, like, what does that, what does this feel like? How are y'all doing? Um, mm. And I'm friends with Brene Brown and, you know, there's not very many white women I can call friend like legitimately. And we became, you know, it's a newer friendship and we were talking. We have been nothing to do with the world's issues, just talking about life. And the, one of the reasons why we're friends is because I really do love her work and her work had been um, really important to my work as I was developing it. But and I knew that the tools that she had in her work about dealing with shame and vulnerability and shame resilience are great tools in this moment. In that moment were great tools for us to use. But what I'd never said to her directly was, I love your work. Your work has helped expand me, but I don't see myself in your work. Or in order to see myself, I have to like squint and you know, turn my head to the <laughs> side, the left corner of your right eye, right. Your you know, really, yeah. really imagine, do, do, do too much imagining. Um, and she, she got that. It wasn't the first time she heard it. And she was like, I hear you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I really want to do better about that. And I was like, well, we could, <laughs> you know, tell different stories. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how we got, got here. It just happened really fast though. I, I don't think either of us thought, oh, we'll have a book out in six months. <laughs> Let me tell you, yeah, then, and people don't realize, you know, most books take 18 months from start to oh, finish yeah. to get published. So this is uh, both, it's a miracle. 
both of us are in the middle of writing books that we had to stop to get this book done. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so Mark, Mark Lamont Hill, first of all, congratulations. Uh, you are now officially a talking head every night. <laughs> I was like, now? Yeah, no, I mean, that, uh, uh, you know, he's hosting, you know, a, a nightly news show. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud uh, of the work that you're doing. How did you get into this and tell me about never too much? Why that, why that title? Um, well, I got into the, this because Toronto asked me, honestly, and Toronto's Toronto and I go way, way, way back, and and long before we were doing this kind of work, uh, certainly on, on on this stage, Toronto's been doing this work forever, even when no one was looking. But long before she was doing this, we were, she was in the community. We were in the same city, um, and we did work, and we showed up for each other, and um, we grew into a friendship and really a brother and sisterhood and she's family to me so it didn't matter what the book was about if Toronto <laughs> said can you do it I was gonna say yeah but then I happened to see what it was about and I was like oh this ain't even like a favor like this is actually dope you know what I mean like I actually am glad uh to be a, to be a part of it um and it was uh it was an interesting and challenging book um for me uh because of these themes around vulnerability and shame and I didn't know where I wanted to go. And Toronto sort of suggested that I think through some issues that were important to me around masculinity, around identity more broadly. Um, uh, and I said, this is an opportunity for me to do something that I don't do a lot of. Um, although in the last six months or a year, I feel like there's been more of it. And that is the kind of personal disclosure, the kind of uh, the, the, the picking away at yourself to figure out you know, how you wrestle with these issues. It's one thing to have a critique of society, a critique of culture. That's what I get paid to do and trained to do. But what this essay forced me to do was to link that to myself. And, I, and I, it wasn't a demand, but it seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, and I'm glad I did because so many authors in this book do that. They start from the place of the self, um, especially a lot of the black authors, and they start from a place of the self and they, um, well, I guess they're all black authors. They're but all they, black. Yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was really thinking of black male authors as well. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking about like Kiese, for example, you know, when he's talking about crazy or, or um, you know, Jason Reynolds. I'm thinking talking about these about essays. Yeah. yeah, and and it's like, oh, they're going to some, and I didn't know what they were going to write, but I knew who was, and I knew a few of the people that were in it. And I was also like intimidated. Like I write for a living, but I'm not a writer the way like they're writers. Do you get what I'm saying? I do, like, I do, but like, you are, but you are, and you, you own a whole no, 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 this, So this let's, isn't like, like, let's not, you come on, Mark the mind. No, no, this isn't like, this isn't like, like I, I'm dope. I don't, I don't think I'm not good, <laughs> but but I'm not Kiese. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I have, I, I'm talented, but not, not like them, they, they are writers. And so I was like, I gotta bring my, I gotta bring something different this time to at least be in the conversation with them. You know what I'm saying? So that I'm not, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, but a lot of it, you know, and I've been kind of sussing this out. A lot of our success is always through a white lens because they're the ones that validate mm -hmm. our, our mm -hmm. talent. Right. So we, we have bent bent and folded ourselves to, to a standard that to me is not even at the pinnacle of who we are. Right. Because we don't get to fully express ourselves. So I applaud this because I know that Tarana Burke is not going to allow you to come any way other than your full self. And so That's I know, it. you know, when Lovey and, and Imani Perry and, and yes. folk are, are writing, I know that I'm going to get something that's real. So what did you tap into, uh, Mark, that we wouldn't know? And I want to, I, I think it's important since we have Tarana here to talk about it's, the math. It's just, just Karen, I want to say real quick. My name is pronounced Tarana. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I apologize. Okay. I introduced right, you correctly. Sis. And then I, you know, I went, 
I do that. I apologize. Miss Burke, I'll make it easy. No, don't do that. Just Toronto. It's fine. <laughs> um, you know, this masculinity, we're we're in this space where where black men have to to prove, you know, it's like, what does it mean mm-hmm. to be a black man? What does it mean mm-hmm. to be a man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's what so I, I think that's why I started from this place of uh of, of me as child. You know, um it, it's 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 a place that I have to interrogate to figure out my own relationships, it's a place I have to interrogate to tell my story, it's a place I interrogate in therapy, right? Is is to say like, how'd you how'd you get like this? <laughs> you know, good and good and bad, all the things, but how'd you get like this? And, and so for me, part of it was what were my early lessons on what masculinity was and what being what manhood was, what identity was. And one of the first things I remember was being um, a very young um, black boy in North Philly, you know, being told that he was too sensitive. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I start the essay with this moment where someone hurt my feelings and I think I cried. And the, I remember the, the, the conversations that were being had about me, you know, and what it meant to be too sensitive. And, and, and it, was, it was like a judgment, it, it, it was like a reprimand, but it was also an assessment. It was like a judgment, but it was also like a push to be something else. Um, and throughout my life, I, and like all of us, we get these signals about what masculinity is, what, ma- what manhood is, and what it isn't. And, it, and it's not always told to us, it's often modeled for us, what, whether it's what we watch on TV, it's what uh, the, the men in our lives talk about, what the women in our lives talk about. And for me, this essay, in a lot of ways, is partly a, a journey through that, right? Talking about how I got this, what the lessons were for me, and what they, and what they meant to me. And it was also this moment of saying, all right, I'm not this... Um, completed person who now goes out into the world telling other black men how to be like me. But it's also to say like, I ain't got this stuff right yet either. I'm not there yet either. And here's some moments where I screwed it up badly, right? But here's what I learned from that as well. And trying to walk through that journey. And of course, never too much for me is two things. One, it's an ode to the great Luther Vandross, the greatest singer, you know, (laughs) in human human civilization. Facts. But but also it's a way of saying that by the end of this journey, that at least at this stage of the journey, I should say, I, I'm recognizing myself that, that 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 it is that it is never too much, that emotionality, that vulnerability, that that's never that, that it's never too much. And in fact, I feel my most whole and my most human, I feel my most healthy um when I'm in that space. And I'm no longer using other things to mask it. I love I love that. Um and I again want to thank you, Tarana, for <laughs> putting this together. No, because we are always kind of uh, chasing these tropes about us or fitting into these boxes, uh, mm-hmm. some somebody else's creation. And to, you know, even our art, even our, you know, our music and, and our television and movies, you know, it's very rare that we get to see a sensitive man in a relationship with a woman, you know, it's like, or right. whatever. And, and we don't get to see ourselves completely unless it's in comedy you know, so I think this yeah. is important to as we move into what does it mean to be an American? What does it mean mm. to live as black people in America? Who are yeah. we? You know, how do we get to just be? So I love when you started off with no one asked us how we feel or what it feels like. Yeah, we never get to, you know, I I, I, I try to tread this carefully because I think this movement towards anti-racism is, you know, it's great. It's it's a uh, it's useful in many ways um that's that's not my background i'm not i'm not somebody who was raised to work for white people um Mm. i work for my community and so i'm not validated by how white people think of me i'm validated by what i do for black people and how i interact with black people and so i've said very 
you know, clearly, and when the publisher, because this is not, this, this was on Brene's publishing company. And so when the publisher came to me and said, we really want to do this book, we're excited, da, 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 da. And he said, who, who do you want to talk to? And I said, the Black people. And it's going to seem odd because I got a white lady on the cover with me, but I want to <laughs> use her tools, you know, but I mean, I, I, she has amazing tools and, and she's done the research. She's here as a, she's, she is in this project as the, as the expert, right? The person who's done the work and who has, and, and really, if you talk to her, she uses a wide variety of um, sampling, you know, in her research, she uses black people, women of all kinds of different people, but she tells the stories of the research through her own experience, which is why I couldn't find myself in it because she's a white woman from Texas. Mm-hmm. So when you get a black girl from the Bronx coming like, mm, that's not really how it works for me. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the same, but I, I, I think it's very necessary for people in this moment while they, while we're excited about anti-racism and excited about doing anti-racism work to understand that I don't believe that work. I don't really, I was going to say, what does that even mean? I, it's is, a buzzword. I, it feels good. It, it it's sounds like, good. it's like, um, what's this other word that everybody says now? intersectional intersectionality, which is like, I think intersectionality in its actual meaning is useful and real. And that the, the, um, the theory and, and all that is real. I think obviously we want you to be the opposite of racist, right? <laughs> but I also know that if you come to me and you've read the book and listened to the podcast and, and you follow all the right people on social media, but you haven't engaged with black humanity, I don't believe your anti-racism work. What is it grounded in? You don't know anything about how black people move through the world. You don't know anything about how our, our material lives. So what does it mean to be anti-racist if you can't connect with black humanity, right? So that's why, you know, I hope that people who are not black benefit from this book. I really do. Um, I hope that there's, that it, it provides um, resources for them to connect with our humanity. But before that happens, I want Black people to pick up this book and read stories that make them say, my gosh, that's me. I've never seen me articulated like this in something that I can walk in Barnes and Noble and buy. Mm. I've never seen anybody say this out loud in this way. And I'm so glad because I feel seen, right? Like, that's what I really want. You are your best thing is the book. It's an anthology group of some really powerhouse black folk, including Mark Lamont Hill, who is here. When did you decide to go to therapy and what precipitated the move? Me or Mark? Mark. Oh, because I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mark Lamont Hill. My bad. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't hear him. Uh-oh. Uh oh. We can't muted. hear him. He's muted. Okay. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm an old man with the tech. Um, <laughs> the, 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 first, uh, the, the first, um, the first time was in graduate school. Cause I was, I was trying to get out and I was just, I was like stressed and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to write. And it was like the first moment where I felt incapable of being productive. And somebody said, well, you should go to campus psych services. And I was like, I mean, I, I'm just having writer's block. Like I, you know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't nobody talking to me. You know what I mean? I, I had an idea of what I thought it meant to to um to be going to psych services. Then I went, and we talked a little bit about what I, my writing issues, but we, we ended up going somewhere else. We ended up going in a whole different direction that I found incredibly helpful. Um, and then I started writing again, and I stopped going. And then later, 
um, I was starting to have um, real challenges, like in my relationships, I was having real challenges um, and not just romantic relationships, just in terms of just like managing things and people. Um, and it was a, um, I needed help. I needed a space to talk about it. I needed a space to deal with, um, as Esther Armas says, like untreated trauma. Um, I, I needed I needed a place to um, to think through where I wanted to go, um, and it became helpful. Um, at first, I would only use it when I was in moments of crisis, and then I'd go back to not doing it. You know, it's like going to the gym, working out, kind of liking how you look on the beach, and then being like, "All right, I'm good now." You know, I'll, I'll see you <laughs> next summer. Um, but it's become a way for me to not just sort of be okay or manage a crisis, but to actually be okay and be healthy on the day to day and to grow. Um, and so and in my thirties, I think that's where it became, um, more of a steady. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I, I, I was finding the things that I was doing to be quite unfulfilling. Um, I was in relationships that weren't healthy. Um, I was using my body in ways that I didn't, um, that, that wasn't, that, that wasn't giving me joy and pleasure, even though it was supposed to be. Um, and it's like, you can't work your way or, or sex your way or all this. It's like the salon song, right? You can, you yeah. can try and do you can't all smoke those- it away. You can't drink it away. You can't dance it away. Mm-hmm. Right. You can try. And, and that brings its own experiences, but <laughs> fundamentally it's not going to, it's not going to fix that thing. Um, and, and therapy is not a silver bullet either, but it's another tool that you can use to get where you want to go. And, and so for me, it's been incredibly helpful. And that's one of the things I talk about in the essay too. You know, I'm of a certain age where therapy is like a bad you know, it's like something's wrong with you. We don't, we don't mm-hmm. discuss that. It, you know, we don't do that. And I'm grateful to have lived long enough where it's now okay. Was well, not just okay, but I think it's mandatory for any black person living in America to to seek therapy. Do you agree, Tarana? I do. I think that even if you haven't had personal trauma, which most people can't escape, um, the reality of being black and alive and conscious in this country is that you experience trauma. Like I said, if we, you know, the summer people, people stop paying attention when it's not in the news, but we live in these hoods. We live in the neighborhoods. We have black families. So it's not just the person you see, the George Floyd you see, it's my cousin who gets pulled over by the cops and my nerves is bad. Cause I don't want nothing to happen. You know what I mean? It's whatever it's, it's the, the constant threats that we have against our basic everyday lives and watching even things happen in the government during this last administration when you know these decisions that are being made are going to adversely affect your folks first all of that is anxiety producing and can keep you know depends on how your what your makeup is for some people we don't like like you said you're of a certain age you don't want want to acknowledge it but the truth is we are ticky as my as my my <laughs> phrase to say, you know, we are some of us are just two 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 seconds off of blowing up because we have no place to release it, which is why I try I describe the book to some degree as a soft place to land. We don't even have anywhere to put this thing. Where do I put this? Where do I lay this down? Where do I have a moment to reflect? We do it in private. Like even last summer when the when all the stuff was happening, I was having tons of private conversations, right? I could call Mark and we can rap for like an hour or two about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives. And, and I'm glad to have those kind of relationships. Um, but that's not sustainable, really. You can't you can't dump on your friends all the time. You can't, you have to have some other outlets. So and then and then the other reality is everybody can't afford therapy. Everybody doesn't have access to therapy. So we have to create tools like books and podcasts and, 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 and content that fills in some of those gaps because 
the truth of the matter is our folks not just won't go, but some of them can't go. And what do we do to help supplement that? I love it. Um, you are your best thing, vulnerability, shame, resilience, and the black experience is an anthology. Tarana Burke, of course, Bren- Brene Brown, uh, who's, uh, um, I think I first saw her through Oprah. Oprah used to have her on a lot. Um, Mark, Mark Lamont Hill is here. Um, black media, uh, came in today. I'm taking a fast. I'm not watching CNN, MSNBC or Fo- well, I don't do Fox anyway. I'm tuning out because I think there's a, a commodity. There's commerce attached to our trauma and, mm. and they make more money, the more trauma that they produce, and the more anxiety and the more hatred, the more, the more they report it, the more clicks and algorithms, the more money black media. Mm-hmm which Urban View is, uh, Mark, now you're, you're associated with an outlet. How important is uh, media that is not mimicking what they do, but that is specifically here to talk about what we need? I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right with the last part of the question. And that is, it's not just about having black people doing white stuff. That's the easy part, right? We can get black producers and black hosts. We don't have them <laughs> enough on the major networks, <laughs> but, but, but that, that's easy to do, you know, but the question is, can we tell a different story? Mm-hmm. Can we ask different questions? Can we spotlight different things? So I don't wanna just tell the story of black people who get killed. I don't want, when I when I host Black News Tonight, you know, I, I, I never show the body actually being killed. I never show the the, 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 the gun hitting the person. Cause I, I, don't, I don't want, that's not what I want my mom and auntie to see when they watch TV. That's not what I want the kids to see. Um, but there's also so many other stories about black people yes. that aren't centered around trauma. <laughs> and so, you know, having space for black joy and having segments on black joy is, is so important. I mean, I was looking last week on Black News Tonight and I'm not plugging the show as much as I'm just saying- Plug it, you're here. No, I mean, plug I mean, plug <laughs> what you but, do, please. But like but like we had Chantrell Lewis on last week who has a wonderful new documentary. I'd rather plug their stuff. You know, like this yeah. wonderful new documentary on my mother's garden. Um, which is about relationships with Black women and their mothers, which is complicated and nuanced and tricky mm-hmm. and sometimes painful. And, and Toronto's in it and Brittany Cooper's in it and all these people are in it. And it's amazing. And it's like, that's what we should be talking about, right? Black, we make content, we make books, we have films, we we, yeah. we, we, we do all kinds of stuff. And, and, and so much of the media isn't about that. It's only about our trauma and our reaction to white people's reaction to our trauma. Yeah. And so... Um, I want to do both. I want to tell those stories differently, but I also want to add new stories to the pile. And that's what Black media allows us to do on our own terms if we do it right. We even have Black uh, yeah. Captain Americas and superheroes. Uh, look at that. <laughs> All right. Um, Mark Lamont Hill, if you had a magic wand and could create the world that you want to live in, what would it look like? Mm. I, I think about um, Kiese Lehman's book, Heavy, um, which... I, I, I'm about to cry just thinking about it, right? I know. <laughs> it, 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 to me, it's, it's, it's the best memoir I've read uh, in the last 50, uh, of the last 50 years. Um, mm-hmm. Until you read mine. Oh, right. That's next. <laughs> I'm trying to tell I'm you. Just not, out just Toronto, 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 not out yet. Toronto, it's not out yet. I haven't had the opportunity to read the early version but You yet, already but know. Based, based on the cover? <laughs> no, I'm not even being funny. Like, it's the, it's the best cover I've, I've maybe ever seen. So the book can't be, I'm judging. Do ha- wait, do you have a copy of the cover? I'm, Do I have a copy? I'll show it to you. Hold okay. on a minute. I'm going right. to pull it okay. up while he's talking. Okay. <laughs> but, but one of the things K.S.A. Lehman talks about um, is a desire for good love, healthy choices, and second chances. Mm-hmm. Good love, healthy choices, and second chances. When I think about the world that I want to see, I think about one that's filled with good love. Um, that means at the interpersonal level, how we love each other, how we take care of each other, 
you, you walk through the world, you meet some ter- trifling, terrible ass people. Uh, and you just, you could, you could, whether it's, it might be somebody in the registrar's office at the university, it might be somebody at the line at Chick-fil-A, it could be somebody on the bus, it could be somebody in a corporate room. You just be like, yo, you haven't been loved well. <laughs> like, you could just tell, you know what I mean? And, and, and we carry so much harm and trauma and pain. And, 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 and good love for me is about those having healthy relationships with, with each other, also with ourselves, right? Being able to learn to love ourselves well, right? Um, and also at the structural level, it's, you know, they say justice is what love looks like in public, right? So good love plays out in all these different levels, healthy choices, right? People make bad choices often because they don't have access to good choices. What would it mean to know that because you are loved well, you can choose this type of relationship because you know that you, you, you we care about your body. You can choose this type of food, right? Healthy choices. People choose, people, black people just walk around eating fried chicken all the time. I mean, some of, I do, but, but I also make healthy choices when I can, when I have access to them, right? If we have community gardens, if we have food subsidies, we make different choices. You know, if, if we have more information, we make healthier choices, right? And so giving people access to healthy choices personally, structurally, et cetera, is important. And then finally, um, second chances. Mm-hmm. You know, the world is filled with people who get second chances. It's so often not the vulnerable. You know, so many poor people don't get second chances. So many black folk don't get second chances. So many women don't get second chances. So many trans folk don't get second chances. At the structural level, the societal level, the legal level, when you look at differential sentencing, when you look at all these things, but it's also how we treat and engage each other, right? Can we figure out a way to love each other so well that we can forgive each other the way we forgive Amen. people who have done way more harm to us? You know, I, I think about I think about second chances at that level and, and giving ourselves second chances. Right. Which is part of what the book allows us to do when we talk about shame is to say that, though, I carry this shame, though, I carry this pain, though, I've done this thing. I don't have to. That's Howard Thurman. Right. The theologian said, I don't have to be prisoner of the event. Right. I don't have to scale down my experiences or my, 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 my aspirations to the to the experience that to the event that is my immediate experience. In other words. I'm not having prison of this thing I did, this thing that happened, this trauma I carried, this this mistake I made. I can move beyond that, right? Second chances. So for me, that's my world. Good love, healthy choices, and second chances. I love it. Uh, you, you know not to ask me that question because I'm going to live in his world. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> me, just, too. me too. Me <laughs> too. Let me I'm see your book cover. Oh, yeah. The book is called Unbound. Ooh. I don't know if you can okay. see it yeah, so I can. clearly. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And the artist B. Huh? <laughs> that John right there. Look, yo, I need that, I'm about to put that on my wall. Yo, that looks like <laughs> that is art. Wait, who's the artist? Bisa Butler. She does the thing that's so amazing about this is that Bisa does she works with quilts and fabric. And so there's no there's no paint on that at all. It's wow. she did that completely from fabric. It's fascinating wow. to me. Wow. I'm, I'm just wow. like, because this is, this is what he's talking about. Black genius. You know what I mean? We have to celebrate. Oh, you know, when you can see her work, she's on the cover of Essence this month. She okay. did that, that picture on the cover of Essence. So. I love it. I love it. I love you. Don't be a stranger. And Mark, oh, Mark, right. you got you got to come back. You got to keep, yeah, maybe just come back frequently. You too, Tarana, of course. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, you are your <laughs> best thing. Get the book. It's fantastic. They're fantastic. I love both of you. That's good love right there. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate y'all. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.